Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, here we are, the first ever, well, not the first ever, that's a lie, it's episode 45, there's been 44 before this, but this is the first episode of Stoke the Fire in 2022. Oh, happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Jesse. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, let's make this year a lot better than last year, please. Well, <laughs> see, we're going to talk all about last, well, as, as we record, this is actually New Year's Eve. So we're technically still in the past. We're stuck on 2021, Jesse and I right now, but we're on the cusp of 2022. I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast on New Year's Eve before. Um, obviously, it's my evening time, your kind of daytime. So I'm sh- assuming you have some form of plan for tonight, but I'm literally just going to sit here in my cowboy hat. I'm going to drink some big drop, non-alcoholic, delicious pale ale. <clears throat> there are other pale ales available. And I'm just going to wait for 2022 to roll in, and then I'm just going to keep doing what I do. But what are you doing tonight? What's your plan? So initially, uh, my lady was going to be performing at a masquerade. So I had bought a whole like mask and a suit and like you know gold lame shoes, like just dumb looking outfit. <laughs> and uh, she had bought like this gown. So we had this whole party planned. But New York State is currently freaking out, so that a lot of the venues and stuff are closing. Due to, right. to being cautious for this new uh, variant or whatever's going on. So um, we initially were like, we don't know what we're doing because we were traveling when it got cut, uh, shut down. So we just got home from traveling for the holidays and found a local place about 20 minutes from here that's having like a disco slash funk night with DJs in two levels. And it's, you know, big enough to house the small amount of people that are going. So I think I'm going to put on my stupid outfit and go dance to some funk music because that's really what Corinne wants to do. So yeah, I'll be partying tonight, I guess, but moderately partying because I'm not starting off the next year with any sort of a hangover whatsoever. So I'll have a few drinks, but I'm just looking forward to getting out there and dancing because I haven't danced in a long time and just trying to put some positivity and, you know, that vibe forward because lately I just haven't been feeling it. I've been honestly just not feeling it lately. So you know, like fake it till you make it. I'm going to go out there and make myself have some fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to kind of pick your brain about that and you beaten me to the punch. So I'm glad we're on the same page. We haven't spoken loads in the last week because it's obviously just been Christmas. You've been doing the family thing. Um, You obviously got engaged. Now, before we get into anything, just a huge congratulations on that. You'd mentioned to me in private that you'd got the ring, that you were going to pop the question. Um, And then... I just forgot you told me. In all honesty, I just completely forgot that you told me. And then I saw Corinne posted the picture and I was like, oh, yeah, 
he was going to do that and he's done it. So um, tell us about that. How did it go? Was it nerve wracking? You know, I didn't think it was going to be because I knew she would say yes. Like we were just met desperately in love with each other. But yeah, I was nervous as shit, man. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> I had planned a whole trip to Mexico and that was going to be like when I was going to do it, it's going to be perfect. You know, I'd gotten this room right on the, the ocean with a view and I'd actually reached out to the hotel staff. They were going to decorate it. We we're going to have music. It was going to be this whole thing, you know, like you want the engagement to be like really special. And the ring got stuck in customs. I had ordered it, you know, from a company while I was on tour and I custom made it. So it took a while to make and then it got stuck in Mexican customs. I think it might still be there, the original ring. Um, so I didn't get it from Mexico. So I was actually really bummed. I'm on vacation in this beautiful place. And like the thing I wanted to do, I couldn't do. So it was kind of a bummer. But when I finally, long story short, when I finally got another ring made for free, thankfully with this company, uh, the ring arrived much to my surprise, like just the day before we were supposed to travel. And I didn't want to do it in front of my family. I wanted it to be done this year. I just, I had a feeling I just wanted to ask the question as soon as I could. But I didn't want to just do it in our house with no, nothing special. So I basically recreated um, an, an early memory of ours when we had first first met. She uh, was in my house when I was still traveling, coming home from the airport, and she decorated my whole house with balloons and had this whole thing. And it was just such a adorable, amazing moment. So I did my best to recreate that moment. And then I recorded this whole video of me saying a poem to her on the computer. You can go on my Instagram and see the videos there. And uh, while I'm doing it, I'm like sweaty. My heart is in my throat. And uh, when she pulled up in the driveway, it was just panic mode. I think I actually have a video of me in panic mode too, because I put the camera on. I filmed the whole thing. So I put the camera on. It's me running around the house, trying to get everything perfect for the last second when she walked in the door. And then, uh, yeah, when I finally dropped to one knee to say the thing I wanted to say, Day, which I had this whole like poem of a paragraph written, and I, I literally just dropped to one knee. I was like, Ugh! my voice cracked. I just, <laughs> I fucked it all up. And I said, and I'm sure she, uh, she thought it was so cute, but like I was nervous, dude. I didn't know why I was so nervous. But yeah, she said yes. And I didn't even put the ring on her finger. You know, you're supposed to do the whole, I just, it all went out the window. And I just uh, nervously voice cracked, and she said yes. And then we just kind of basked in the moment for a good half hour or so. But, it was fun. She's she's awesome. She's she's definitely my soulmate. So it's been great ever since then. She's been on cloud nine and it's just so cute to see the excitement that she has. You know, I think she knew it was coming though. So yeah. Yeah. It's be <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And I think nerves are an indication of how real the love is because you know, you're even when you do like the Instagram live chats that you do where there's no real plan to what you're going to say, you can just hold court and talk quite freely and confidently about almost anything. And, you know, we do that on this show week in, week out. But sometimes when the stakes are so high and because that's, you know, how much you love this person, as you just said there, that's your soulmate, it does throw you sometimes, doesn't it? And it's exciting to feel those nerves. That's like the good kind of nerves. Yeah. It's funny. I chuckle about it now, you know, because I had it all laid out. I just wanted it to be just so I wanted it to be special for her so she can look back and go, oh, yeah, that was a good memory, you know, and it's you know, her first, first time getting engaged and like preparing to get married, you know, so I just wanted it to be so special for her. But yeah, she loved it. So I win. <laughs> and, what, and what a beautiful, uh, you know, kind of tone to set as you go home for Christmas, as you take her back to hang out with all your family. And I did see she was 
absolutely buzzing from all the messages and the comments and and then to get to like be welcomed in to the extended family around that time of year as we learned in the episode that we did with corinne you know she hasn't had the easiest of upbringings and the normalist of, of family settings so to get a taste for that and you know be finally like invited into like a real family and feel that love what a beautiful thing man yeah i wanted to give her security that was my biggest thing of wanting her to to feel like this is the real thing because when you do come from where she comes from there's a ton of insecurity when you come from abuse so she's she definitely has you know insecurities about like you know hoping that i don't run away on her or the love dies or any of that stuff which is heartbreaking but um i get it you know that's how it is and anyone who has been in an abusive relationship can relate to that i'm sure so to give her the ring to let her know like this isn't just you're not just going to stay my girlfriend forever because you know these days people don't really look at marriage as something that's necessary i've got tons of friends who've been with their girl for 10 12 years and marriage isn't even on the table and that's fine to each their own it's just for me and maybe i'm kind of old school too i like the idea of just making her feel like she's 100 percent a part of this family and my family's very much the same way which was nice to see when we did go home my family just embraced her with open arms and my father even was like hey you guys want to get married like today i can do it i'm a i'm a pastor i can do it he was so excited it was so did any part of you nearly go for that i i was like cool let's do it and she's like no because she has a whole you know she has a whole plan of like how this is going down you know black sand beach you know in california she's looking at so it's going to be a destination wedding and she dude, it's funny within the so i asked i popped the question the next morning i wake up i look over and she's she's writing a list of like <laughs> like she and, and while i was sleeping i was getting messages while i was sleeping and i woke up to just a bunch of locations where she's thinking wedding dress like she's on it she's already like it's it was it's fucking adorable so yeah it's going to be a while we're going to plan it it's going to be a, a a pretty not a big wedding but a decent sized wedding with family and so it'll be a while before that happens <laughs> see you know let's just focus on this for a moment you say like this year 2021 that we're in as we record this this year wasn't the best you got engaged to your soulmate like life doesn't get any better than that uh, and to throw this in the mix as well like I, i've been thinking as we all do you approach the end of the year and you think how have the last 12 months been for me um and we're not here to obviously do like a global event wrap-up but we can certainly do a personal perspective wrap up like we did when we launched this show we look back to 2020 and you know where we go from here so i think it's a kind of a nice moment to do that now as we go into a new year um and for me like on the one hand i reached one of the lowest points in my entire life this year but before that for like seven months i was gold and in the last two months since not just since stopping drinking but that's been a huge part of it but just kind of like turning my life around and finding my mojo again and life's amazing once again and you've got a banksy jumper on right there and i've just moved to the home of banksy i think the best city in the uk i've always loved this city bristol um i've been coming here for 15 years and i just moved here last week so i'm all set to start a new year in a new city new chapter all of that stuff and I think if I had to choose one word to describe 2021, for me personally, it would be transformative. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And I think, uh, you know, you got to take the good, you got to take the bad. And for, and you know, like, 
I, I'm careful how to choose my words, but for me personally, it hasn't been that bad of a year. It really hasn't been. And then getting back on the road and touring with Slipknot, that was huge, huge eye opener of like, wow, I still get to do this. Amazing. Can we jump in on that real quick before we go any further? Um, now there's a bit of space from when you did it, because it must have just been overshadowed in many cases by the rules and regulations and just because i'm gearing up to do this monster truck tour with hot wheels and i'm now in the process of having to self-isolate at home till the tour starts and signing all these forms and the covid safety is at the core of this thing so now you've had a bit of time to i guess forget about that um in your heart and in your head how was it being reminded of what you do and, and doing it in such a glorious fashion with a band like that on a stage like that. Yeah, it was massive. And I think, um, especially after the dry spell that we went through, not having it, you, I kind of lost myself. I wouldn't say I kind of, I lost myself for a little while there, you know, and I don't know if it's necessarily all a bad thing. You know, the whole like sitting still and sitting with myself, because as we've discussed in previous episodes, I needed that. I totally needed it. But with that, I think came a darker side of depression of like, what's my purpose then? Like, who am I outside of that? And the fact that I still am able to identify with that and, and be able to tour on such a big stage playing in front of 10,000 people a night sometimes, that's extraordinary. And it's something I definitely don't take for granted. And when I look back on it, you know, the protocols were strict. The isolation was, you know, difficult, but I'm so glad we were able to do that, and I can't wait to do it again, even if those same restrictions are in place. I think what makes me sort of feel a burden in my heart is for humanity in general. I can't help it, and I sort of wish that I didn't have this part of me. And I see, after, especially after spending time with my mother, I very much get this from my mother. I'm a hyper empath to an exhausting degree. So if I know people are suffering out there or having a hard time or are sick or frustrated or lost their jobs or income, like it affects me. And I feel like there's been a lot of that, a lot of people just going through a really tough time. So I think when I do say it's been tough, a lot of it doesn't have to do with me. A lot of it has to do with people I love and care for having a hard time. And then dealing with death, which is another thing I've recently dealt with, two different deaths. I was at a funeral for my for Corinne's cousin and got a text that my uncle had passed on while I was at the funeral. And that kind of spiraled me into a little bit of a dark place as of late. But on the whole, 2021 was, was, a, it was a decent year for me. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't a good year. And I think that was all capped off by that tour and being reminded of like, wow, I still have my job. I still get to do what I love and have that connection with people. It's nothing like it, man. Yeah, I noticed this thing about you as well, which on the one hand I love because I see it's you fulfilling your destiny and being you and doing what you do best. But on the other hand, when I, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting all croaky, when I do see that, I know it's because perhaps you're not in the best place and it's leading you to, so for instance, lately you've been kind of jumping online and talking to people more, which, you know, is something you used to do loads. And then you kind of like, I guess now, because we have this show as well, there's like a structure and a platform, you know, to do it in a kind of, a more thought out way than just the free form jump on the live and here we go. But I still love seeing you do those things. I know everybody who follows you on Instagram loves seeing it as well. Um, but I can kind of see, cause we haven't obviously, as I said, spoken in a 
a week or so at least because of Christmas. I thought oh, maybe he's just got a lot of stuff going on and he's, you know, he's kind of dealing with the problems of the world, which is yeah. you've just said then you, you take them on. And, you know, I mean, as we're all well aware, division is higher than it's ever been and everybody has, you know, their venomous opinions about everything now. Um, and it's just so exhausting and, and disheartening a lot of the time, the online discourse. And I see that's what gets to you. And then, but I think the way that you deal with it and express it, you vocalize what so many people think and feel, but perhaps don't have the same, you know, capabilities of laying it out in such a eloquent way as you do. And I think it's so important that you keep doing that and keep using your voice to reassure people that they're not alone in feeling like lost in this crazy turbulent time as well but there's a lot of us stood in the middle the rational kind of kind together people that just don't really see you know similarities with either side of these crazy opposing arguments a lot of the time and just think well is it just me that's in the middle going mad what's going on that's one okay you just hit the nail on the head right there and i think that if anything's affected me more than anything it's that feeling sort of like Am I the only one that thinks this way? Like, am I the only one that sees that either side of this argument or whatever, like this discourse that's happening is not helping anybody. And I've got people that I love and admire on both sides of this issue. I got people who are unvaccinated that do not want it, that have health issues that have been told if they get it, there's risk. I know people that have gotten sick from it. Then I've got people who it saved their lives. There's people who had no problem getting it and they're fine and it didn't even affect them. And they carry on and they're just afraid of other people. Get, and it's just back and forth like a tennis match. And for me, I'm like, I love people on both sides. And I get there's, to me, there's logic and stuff on, on both sides of this issue. And I stand in the middle and I say, we need to like figure out how to deal with this better. Instead of guilt tripping this person or being angry at this person. And our government's not doing a great job of helping that. And the media sure isn't as well. They're just lighting these fires because they benefit from our division of course they do. They always happen. Take, take COVID and put it all out of the conversation completely. This is nothing new. And I think that's another thing that baffles me and angers me is like, I've been preaching the same thing since I was a little punk rocker. Shit ain't right. It has never been right. You put anything in, in front of somebody, whether it be a war, the Iraq war, all these things you can put in front of people to cause a division. That's perfect for them because they have control. They can sway us. And they've been doing it since the dawn of time. So for me, I guess my frustration is how did you not see this was coming? Number one. And number two, now that we're in it, can't we learn to like sort of come together and fight the real enemy? And that's a whole other discussion that a lot of people don't want to have because people are afraid. So they're clinging to their beliefs on either side of this issue and going like, I can't move out of this issue because I'm so afraid that I'm going to get sick. I'm going to lose my job. Someone's going to hate me for my opinion. And I'm just, it breaks my heart because we can do better. But I also get it because this is a difficult time. We're going through such a hard time. And I know a lot of people who are just scared. You know, they don't want their elderly parent to die. So they haven't seen them in forever. Testing constantly. There's this paranoia and fear that we're living through that does affect us. It's causing PTSD. It's, it's causing problems with people, anxiety. I mean, addictions are at an all-time high. I know people that are burying themselves in alcohol and drugs now, and I can't get them. I can't save them. 
I've got friends that just won't listen. So there's a lot that goes on. It's not just about me. I've sort of removed myself as best I can. I'm still aware of what's going on. I still acknowledge what's going on. But as far as my spirit is concerned, I'm at peace with it. I'm okay, but people around me are not. And that's what sort of like gets to me. I just wish we were doing better because we're not, we're not handling this well at all. There's a lot of uh, aggression. And with that aggression, as I said in the Instagram live video, logic goes out the window. Compassion goes out the window. Understanding goes out the window. And in order for us to kind of come to a conclusion or to work through this, we need to speak to each other. We need to engage with each other because that's when solutions arise. When you see, oh, oh, that's why you think that way. That's why you're so emotional about this issue because you lost somebody recently. Oh, that's why you, because you just lost your career of 30 years because your doctor told you you couldn't get the vaccine because it'll make you deathly ill. Or you've got this autoimmune system disease that, you know, now you've got neurological problems because you did take the vaccine. So there's so many things going on and nobody wants to hear anybody out. The moment you disagree, you're shut out. You're, it's anger. It's done. They dead you. And I'm in the middle of all of it going, stop, please stop, stop. <laughs> Can we all just get along? <laughs> you know? So that's kind of where I'm at with it lately. And as we come into this new year, I'm just, I've been meditating and praying and, and really focusing on what I believe is my purpose and just to continue to try to bring people together and write music and lyrics and do this podcast and continue to extend the arms of compassion to people and go, no, like there's a better way. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's a lot. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on in that little brain of yours, that massive brain of yours, yeah. And I can always tell when the cogs are turning. And I saw it. I just saw this expression on your face. I was like, man, he's he's wound up, and I understand why. And everybody is. Um, but you're channeling that frustration into a really productive and unifying message, which is very important. So, big up you, Jesse Leach. Um, <laughs> Can't and, help it. <laughs> and you know, I think that. Um, this this podcast has become a really cool escape without burying your head in the sand too much. I've enjoyed just being able to jump on this microphone with you on a regular basis and connect with you know not just you but with our listeners and with musicians and and you know people that are in all walks of the creative life and talk about stuff which I I mean obviously politics and economics and, and science and health and environmental issues obviously all these things are paramount to human survival. But I've always been more interested in the more kind of just philosophical, you know, sometimes even esoteric subject matter, um, because I do feel like that is really what defines us as human beings is our ability to sit back and, and just connect and engage and discuss about stuff which perhaps might not be of prescient world importance, but on the individual, you know, one on one basis in which we talk, it's everything. Um, and, and the messages that we get, the feedback that we get, the emails that we get regularly, which I've been going through today for the first time in a while. And this is something I just wanted to touch on as well is because you and I aren't trained professionals, you know, we're not doctors, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists. I sometimes, and you probably feel the same about this in regards to, you know, your engagement with people who've appreciated your music over the years is you really have to work yourself up to have the strength sometimes to go into these messages because there's a lot and we get some pretty 
well, we don't get some pretty, we get some very heavy messages from time to time. And, and that's the stall that we've set up. And I've come to expect it from the moment we started this show, because if we go out and say we're going to talk about these things so openly and candidly, then that's obviously going to invite people to open up to us and share some really intense trauma and, you know, struggles. And so I let the email slip a bit because I just, you know, I was going through a lot myself, as we've spoken about on this show. And as you know, like I was in a really bad place. And I, the last thing I felt up to doing was going and reading, you know, some 500 to a thousand word email about somebody else's really intense pain so i put it off for a while but today i've sat down just new year's eve having a few big drops just reading these emails and honestly man like feel so moved and inspired and moved to tears in many cases and so happy and so elated because reading these messages and getting the you know the comments that we do all the time on instagram and stuff and just being reminded that what we're doing here although it isn't changing the world, it maybe is on a small level in its own way. And what we're doing here is important. And to be reminded of that has been really uplifting and empowering for me on this day. Um, and there's a few messages which I'll read out in a bit. We've got a bunch of questions from people who've gotten in touch as well. But I guess to cap off my little rant, um, I just wanted to really say from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure you feel the same, thank you so much to everybody who does feel like this show is a safe space. And if we don't always reply, you know, at first or even after a month or so, we will eventually reply to all your emails. We go through them. It's just sometimes it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, but the fact that you feel comfortable enough to share that kind of intimate detail and, you know, personal trauma, and in many cases, triumph as well. It's not always downbeat, but there is a lot of real heavy stuff. Um, and the fact that you feel like you can come to us with that is cool, man. It's amazing. It reminds me that what we're doing here is different to your average music podcast. And for that, I'm truly grateful. So thank you. Thank you to everyone. I agree. And I think it's easy to forget that when you don't stay on the internet, which I definitely have been taking breaks. In the little rant that I just went off on, that's the shit I'd rather not talk about ever. Like I don't have any interest at all in talking about that stuff. I agree with you. I think there's much more important and deeper things that we should be discussing as humans that supersede or, you know, go past certain points in time. And I do hope and pray we move out of this time that we're in now and do get back to focusing on on the core of who we are, the existential things. I'm much more interested in the existential things and in the stuff that makes people tick and not just music and, and art and food and culture. But as you mentioned, philosophy, I love harping, having a good conversation about the deeper things. Love that. And we're able to do that on this podcast. And it's, it's been a slow burn with some people, but the community we've created is incredible. And I really look forward to what this next year brings with that because people do want to be involved. People do want to be engaged. And there's not many podcasts that do that, that really go out in the extra limb to like bring people in and, and do read emails, which thank you for doing that because I haven't done that. Because I, I, I'm one of those people, I get mentally busy, you know? Like ah, if I'm having a hard time, I, I, like you said, I don't have the energy at all to extend. So I haven't been on social media. I haven't been responding. I haven't done my radio show. I haven't been reaching out to people and I know it's going to change, but you know, I'm just passing through this sort of, I guess, a growing pain into this new year. So yes, 
to piggyback on what you said, I, I love our community. I love the people that do reach out and make an effort and tell you and I that this matters. It's so nice to read that because we do feel it in our hearts, but hearing that people think that and feel that, it, it does. It's like the icing on the cake. It's nice. Yeah, when you do something regularly as well, you can take it for granted. That's the other thing. And when you don't go into that feedback realm and you're kind of just in your lane putting it out and doing it, as you say, you do feel it in a larger sense in an abstract way. You think, yeah, this is being appreciated. It's being you know, accepted and enjoyed. But then you actually read the emails that we get. I'm going to read a couple out now. I just need to run and get my charger because I'm yeah. I'm I'm using this new ring light thing, which oh, yeah, yeah. has lit me up all nice. But what it's doing is rinsing the battery on my laptop. So hold tight there for yeah. one second, and I'll be back. I'll carry on. So to piggyback on everything that Matt just said, and to sort of fill the space here uh, for anyone who is a very sensitive listener or does have very strong opinions on what I just spoke about, I want you to know that I come from a place of humility and my, uh, my opinions and thoughts on that particular matter are ever-changing. And I'm open to people talking about it and venting to me um, because I do understand it's a very sensitive subject. And I don't judge anybody for feeling the way that they feel. Uh, you know, you've got uh, convictions on either end of the, the spectrum, so be it. Uh, it's just sort of my opinion on on things. And again, that's an ever-changing opinion. So just a note to anybody out there who's sort of sensitive on the topic. I hope you understand it's just us chatting about it. So no punches pulled, but also I'm a very sensitive person. I don't want anyone's feelings to be hurt. So there you go. I concur. <laughs> um so I'm going to read out a couple of emails first because some of them are just so beautiful that they need to be shared. I have asked the um, the permission of all the writers to share these as well. Oh. How am I out of breath from just, <laughs> just going next door? <laughs> man, I've got to get on some health tip in January, man. It's yeah, happening. That's, I have a plan for that too. I actually, uh, my lady just got me hockey ice skates. I've never really done that, but I guess we're going to start ice skating. Something she really likes. But yeah, Game get on. physical, man. Yeah, I gotta get physical, man. I gotta. I've been stuck in the house, you know, eating freaking cakes and Christmas <laughs> shit. Well, I'll be doing my usual three-day water fast as of midnight tonight, and then I'll be doing three days of green juice, and then I go onto this Hot Wheels tour, and that's how my year starts. Killer, which is complete madness. But we'll we'll get to that in a moment. So, Rebecca, first of all, this is a lovely email. This one. Hi, Jesse and Matt. I was listening to your podcast on my way to work today, and I heard you talking about people sometimes not enjoying the Support Act. Do you remember when we were talking about this in relation to bands like Maiden? And obviously, you know, you did the tour supporting them, so you know it well. So Rebecca actually went to see you on that tour. She said, I was going to see Iron Maiden, but more importantly, Killswitch Engage. Uh, I live on a small Scottish island called Shetland. It's as far north of the UK as you can get. So I traveled 14 hours on a ferry to Aberdeen to see you guys. Anyway, a few days before the concert, I got a nasty surprise. I was diagnosed with cancer, cervical cancer. At that stage, I didn't know how bad it was. Anyway, it was going to stop me seeing the gig. But the day before the concert, I got picked for the first barrier tickets. Um, and I was very excited as it was my first time seeing Killswitch and I was going to be down at the front. So I went and they were amazing. Uh, and because I was pretty much the only one wearing a Killswitch shirt, Jesse engaged with me so many times as he could clearly see me singing along to everything. And for the time that they were on stage, I wasn't Becky the cancer patient. I was Becky the rock chick. 
having the time of her life seeing her favourite band. After the guys came off, I had to admit defeat and go home to my hotel, so I didn't get to see Maiden, but I wasn't really that fussed because I got what I came for. I will always be so thankful to Jesse for those memories. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's heavy. That's beautiful. Shit. Perspective, man. Right? Wow. Yeah, cervical cancer. Well, thankfully, hopefully she's doing all right because cervical cancer has a pretty high survival rate from what I we just yeah. spoke today, so um, yeah, she's she says happy new year and thank you for all that you both do. Um, so Adam, this is another one here. Um, Jesse and Matt, is my thing making noises? Is my wire making little click? No, no, you're good. No? Um, hey Jesse and Matt, I wanted to write you a quick message. I like it when people start emails like this because it never is quick. Never quick. <laughs> yeah. it's like me. I, get it. Uh, I wanted to write you a quick message of gratitude for taking the leap and starting Stoke the Fire. The spirit of the show is unmatched by anything else. You are open, honest, and unashamed. I especially appreciate your discussions around mental health as I work through my own struggles. And though I've never met either of you, I feel like when I'm tuning in, I am right there with both of you. Uh, Jesse, I first discovered Killswitch back when I was in university. I bought the End of Heartache CD and that album opened the doors to the entire metal genre and changed my musical taste forever. The blend of hard and heavy music with raw and emotional powerful lyrics has helped me navigate through my own mental health struggles. As you have mentioned on the podcast, your lyrics have become even more powerful in recent years with Killswitch and to an even greater extent, Times of Grace. You're an incredible lyricist and I appreciate everything you do in your position on being a mental health advocate matt you are an incredible interviewer you ask all the right questions and when you and jesse uh, or a get oh, sorry when jesse or a guest is speaking you look into their eyes and listen exactly to what they're saying you're engaged in every conversation same as jesse you're both being so open about your mental health struggles it's powerful shit the episode when you talked about your own struggles with alcohol walking down to the water and realizing that something need, uh, needed to give had me in full-blown tears um, when you were telling your story, I felt like I was walking in your shoes. And though I know it's not easy, knowing those thoughts and demons exist in others is strangely comforting. The most inspiring part, though, is how you faced your demons head on and bounced back to become an even better version of yourself. You are both an inspiration for so many others. Thank you for having the courage to stand up and talk about the real stuff and for being yourselves. Thank you for all that you do. Wishing you both happy holidays and a happy new year. I mean, shit like that, man. You read that and your soul just feels light and you're like, wow, what we're doing here is is connecting in such a way that it needs to continue. Wow, that was a great email. That was amazing. Yeah, it is. It's reassuring for sure. I love it. I'm going to do one more. I know this is a bit self-congratulatory of us, but I'm going to do it. Fuck it. It's our show. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, this is super cool, this one, right? So Chris Reed and, uh, and Natalie, what's her surname? Chris Reed and Natalie Louise, right? So these two are people who live on opposite sides of the world, uh, and they met via the YouTube Live chat when we when we broadcast on YouTube Live when we put out the first episode in real time. Um, there's a, a chat function which you can go on there and you can meet like-minded people, uh, like Chris and Natalie did. And it's amazing that they are now like basically Bessie mates. I'm trying to find the exact email where they talk about it in detail. Here we go. 
Um, Dear Matt and Jesse, I recently contacted you to ask to pass on my email address uh, to a lady I'd met on the chat on YouTube. Never mind, we got there. Um, We have so much in common. We're both chatting away through our health issues. This podcast means we're now supporting each other through life's trials. For nine months, uh, we've been connecting, and it's all down to you guys. Bless you and thank you. And this is just two strangers on the internet from opposite sides of the world who have come together through this show and are now close in a way that, you know, will hopefully mean they're friends and bound for life. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Never know. It's all happening, dude. And there's one more. I'm going to do one more. I'm on a roll. I'm going to do one more. Sorry, everybody. And then we'll get to answer your questions. I'm not sorry. (laughs) This one's from South Africa from Lizzle. Lizzle Lizzle. Hi there, Matt and Jesse. My name is Lizzle. I think it's Lizzle. It's spelt Lizzle. I live in South Africa with my husband and our two rescue cats, Diego and Abby. We both love metal. I introduced him, of course, and travel where we can. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. I know you guys hear this a lot and we can never hear it enough, to be honest. Not because of our ego at all, but because actually hearing the conversations that we share is changing people in a way that, you know, has a positive effect on their life is, is the ultimate reward for doing this show. So she says, I don't care. I need to say this. Thank you. Your podcasts have taught me so much and listening to both, um, you and your different guests makes me feel like I'm literally sitting around a fire stars above my head with a hot cup of tea, warming my hands, connected, entranced and engaged in a meaningful and deep conversation. In a world so full of shallowness, you promote depth, and that is truly appreciated. Have yourselves an awesome day. You found a lifelong supporter in me. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't that awesome? Nice imagery too. I like it that. is. We got to. We got to get out there, man. Like this. This Rona has got to settle down. Um, so we now we won't announce it now because we haven't confirmed it yet. We can tease this though. We're working on a live event. Our first ever live event. It's going to be in April 2022. That's all we can say for now. So please um, just set aside the whole month of April for us. (laughs) No matter where you are in the world. um, No, keep your eyes on our social media pages. If you're not already, do give us a follow uh, at Stoke the Fire Pod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We will announce in the next week or two. Hopefully, if it all gets confirmed by the end of this month, it'll all be announced on sale. It's super exciting and it's what we've been promising and it will be the start of hopefully many more um, events of its kind if the world does continue to heal and reopen in the way that it has been. Um, So I've got a list of questions here, Jesse, from Instagram, from email, uh, from Facebook, from all over the internet. Um, There's a couple of music ones, which I'd just like to kind of get out the way first. Um, I wasn't going to put any music questions in the list because, you know, we try and do something a little bit different here with this show. But I did you know, notice that there was a lot of music questions and I thought it would be a bit unfair of me to ignore all of them. So we're going to do a few music based questions, but then we'll move on to the more pretentious stuff that we love (laughs) (laughs) so um let's go to you first dark shade on instagram um taking it way back says jesse how do you feel now about alive or breathing and i know in recent podcasts you know we've spoken to adam we've spoken to your manager vaughn so we've kind of touched upon you know the earlier days of kill switch but i mean obviously it's not a record i imagine you sit and think about often but can you connect much with with that guy that made that record at that time and and how do you think the band has changed and how has it remained the same from kill switch then to now 
Yeah, I definitely don't sit and listen to any of my own music. <laughs> um, yeah, I can I can definitely still relate to to the majority of what's being said in those songs. Um, you know, I think the meanings might have changed a little bit for me, but I think I'm grateful for that record, and I see it as a a real turning point for my life and my career. The fact that people still care about it is definitely uh, amazing. But I also think that it you know it shows a band in its beginning stages really coming out of its cocoon and what kill switch has become since then you know especially i would say you know during the howard years there was such an explosion and that band just reached heights i mean we're still doing great but it was just the timing of that record you know sort of launching the career of the entire band and me, me sort of pulling the ejector seat you know hindsight 2020 I wouldn't change a thing, but it's incredible to see what happened because of that record. And that was the spark that lit the fire that brought the name Killswitch across the world. Um, and what the band has become since then, that's really hard to say. I, I actually think about that quite often lately. Like, where are we heading? What are we doing? And I'm really careful to make sure I'm still putting out inspired music and lyrics because I can never phone that shit in. But back in those days, that particular record, I mean, I, I bled those songs. They were everything, you know, and I actually ab abused myself physically to perform them. So I think um, the passion is still very much intact for myself. Um, but as an older man, um, I'm really you careful. You old. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes I feel it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely put technique in front of uh, certain things, especially when you're talking about performing live. Because if you look at footage from that era, when that record was just coming out, I am destroying myself on stage, which is cool to see, but you know, you can't maintain that for 20 years. Um, I'm just really blessed that people still care about that record. Cause there is, you know, alive or just breathing the song, just barely breathing, I think was the first song that was really me in a, a sort of an existential crisis. It's a very sort of poetic song, you know, are we alive or just breathing? That line alone has carried with me to this day. I can relate to that even more so now than I ever could. So I think there was definitely some, and I say this very humbly, some divine intervention, some magic happening during that record. And uh, I'm grateful that it launched all of our careers and we're still here doing it. So, yeah, thank you. Speaking of breathing, I am finally committing to quitting cigarettes. Wow. Uh, today's day, today's day one today's day one um, hey. and i've just finished reading this great book the easy way to give up smoking by alan carr um which i've never actually been recommended personally but it's one of these books that i've just like heard about on the grapevine loads over the years and i was always intrigued by it so i finally picked it up and it basically promises you like by the end of this book if you read it from front to back and you follow the instructions you'll never want to smoke a day in your life ever again and i'm like two-thirds of the way through it so it doesn't quite get into the full nitty-gritty just yet but already because i was going to go right up till midnight tonight you know just like chain smoking and then and then january 1st hit hit the pause button but i was kind of just like feeling myself finally after 25 26 years of constant smoking and the last few days i've been feeling the I guess the rose tinted glasses finally falling off and I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is gross. This is killing me. Um, not only that, but it also I think is a source of a lot of the 
depression and shame and like dark thoughts that I've had, you wouldn't necessarily put the two together because you think, oh, smoking doesn't alter my state of mind. But the more I read into the psychology of addiction and the more shame and self-pity and, you know, kind of just like real morbid thoughts that you get from knowing that you're a drug addict, which this book says you unequivocally are. If you smoke cigarettes, you're a drug addict. You're addicted to nicotine. You can't get off it. If you're not addicted, try quitting. You'll see how hard it is uh, and all this stuff. And it's been really helpful with me giving up the drinking as well because it's allowed me to kind of decipher and, you know, deconstruct addiction in regards to, to alcohol and, and, you know, narcotic drugs as well. But it's it's certainly given me the boost and the kind of clarity and the resolve that I've always been lacking up until now because drinking for me, I can. I'm on the old big drop tonight, as I've said a few times, but I haven't missed alcohol once since my last drink two months and say five, six days ago. Whereas cigarettes, you were just talking to me then about alive or just breathing. And my head, I was with you, I was in the room, but my head just went, oh, after this podcast is done with Jesse, I'm going to have a cigarette. <laughs> and then I went, oh no, I can't do that because I've already quit. And I'm having this inner dialogue like now in the moment. So it's obviously still like, it's fucking there. It's ingrained in me, but uh, I'm going for it. And I, I, I am more than ever in my life committed to not quitting either because then it implies sacrifice this book says it's about escaping getting rid getting rid of that nicotine slavery once and for all yeah good for you man that's amazing and there's so many benefits from from quitting from what i hear something i've never really struggled with as far as nicotine goes but addiction i can relate to addiction runs all the way through me but um yeah i've done pretty well with it too but i commend you man you're on a roll it's amazing good for you and I, you know, I'm, I know you're inspiring people. I've read messages of people saying that you're inspiring other people to, to learn how to kick the booze as well. So good on you, brother. Yeah. And I hear it's pretty tough, but I'm glad you've got that book to help you along and, uh, you know, be easy on yourself when you get grumpy. Cause I hear it, <laughs> there's a lot of grumpiness that comes with, with kicking the, uh, the old cigarettes. Well, what the book talks about is there's nothing to be grumpy about because your life's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of what happened when Jake was on the show and Jake kind of said to me, you're not going to give up drinking after Halloween because then there'll just be another excuse and it's just another excuse and it's always tomorrow. You're going to start now. And it's a similar sort of message, which Alan Carr explores in this book is like, you look at it as you're giving up this pleasure and it's, you know, it's your crutch and it's, it's a stress reliever and you know, it's something you enjoy, which heightens the experience of having a meal and all these things that are all basically lies and they're illusions. And like, actually smoking is just, there's nothing positive or enjoyable about it. And you, I think you convince yourself it's enjoyable because you're addicted to the drug nicotine, but it's not actually a pleasurable experience. And so actually when you give it up, it's all about the pleasures that you'll start enjoying um, and everything that you'll gain. And so that's kind of how you're taught to you know look at it through reading this book is like it's all about the psychology man so yeah it's been like for me christmas has been a super weird time and i won't get too much into this here but the girl that i'd met and fallen in love with and you know kind of had my hopes that we were going to be together and then that didn't work out and that's why i spiraled out of control it wasn't the sole reason but it was part of the downfall i was meant to be going to palm springs with her for christmas mm. and so all I could think over Christmas time, which I kind of hate anyway, I like Christmas music and Christmas movies, and I like the idea of Christmas, but my reality around Christmas time is like a 
single mid 30s broke ass lonely motherfucker like christmas for me is never the best time of year and this year i was just like could be in palm springs right now should be in palm springs right now gutted (laughs) that i'm not just reading this book analyzing like what a piece of shit i am um but that that for (laughs) me that tough love for me has really been like what i needed to get my head in the game for 2022 and it's not for everyone but you know it's definitely been a a useful and productive week or two of kind of like total self-analysis stripping away all like the you know the warts and all and getting to the bare bones of why i'm fucked up and like then okay let's reassemble my my brain in a less fucked up way and then let's move forward and, and get it the power of the mind that's it really I mean, that's all addiction really is and self-improvement is, is the mind. And the mind can be your own worst enemy or it can be your, your salvation, I think, you know, including your relationship with God. As my, I hear my mother's voice behind me, one of the things she scolded me on with this podcast was like, you don't give enough credit to God. So, mom, I'm giving credit to God. God helps too. <laughs> Does your mom tune in regularly as well? That's awesome. No, not regular. Well, maybe, but you know, she'll only chime in when she sees, like, she'll say, Oh, that was a nice talk, but you know, and the, the recent one was like, you're not alone. You know, God loves you. I was like, yeah, I know mom, but you can talk about it more. I'm like, I'm not trying to like beat people over the head with my beliefs, but it's so, it's adorable. She's, she's, she's a saint. She's beautiful. But while we were there, yeah, we definitely got, um, Corinne and I were, we're getting into good, deep conversations with both my parents. And they're just good people. So yeah, now I have the voice of my mom in my head when I'm talking about the power of yourself and how you can do this. And God's there too. (laughs) Well, what's interesting, and I'm not schooled in this at all, so I'm just going to throw this idea in the pot. You can let me know what you think and then we'll move on. But isn't a lot of the crux of Satanism about that, about self-empowerment? I'm not talking about the evil devil worship stuff, but isn't the philosophy of Satanism about the individual and self-empowerment and that kind of taking control aspect to life yeah yeah to thine own self be true is one of the the the, um i don't know the tenements of it yeah yeah but it's interesting though because and i feel like we should have dwid back on to even go deeper into that because dwid from integrity was really kind of touching on some of that stuff um but i i do think that religion period and you know satanism can be considered a religion religion period to me is flawed there's flaws because i i can't take the absolutes that humans set up for themselves and as much as satanism is viewed as this evil thing there is an element of like it's sort of the outcast taking the reins of their own lives and getting away from the masses so that's the dichotomy of religion (laughs) you know the yin and the yang as they wrestle i don't i'm open to read and, and research anything but i don't have to subscribe to it i think that's a big problem with a lot of people when they're sort of like dig their heels in and go i'm this and this could go for anything and i'm not paying attention to that but if you don't research and pay attention to other things how do you know you might not see something that sort of jazz with you i see that in buddhism a lot you know like so you know any other religion was sort of seen as like you can look into it but don't think that it's part of your upbringing but buddhism texts and stuff have helped me out a lot of my journey but i'm not a buddhist I don't have to, I don't need these labels. I don't need them. But yeah, God definitely plays a role in my family's life very much. So it's ingrained in me as well. Well, that's been the joy of doing this show as well is talking to all different kinds of people about all different kinds of stuff and something I'd like to do a lot more of. Somebody actually 
asked the question, which it was kind of laced with like uh, a criticism of, of our approach. I think maybe not. Maybe I read it wrong. But this person said in regards to some of the more out there episodes, oh, I saw um, this. You did. He's yeah. like, do you think you could have handled them any differently? And I guess he was talking about our recent chat with Stephen Machat. And you, you could look at someone like Mina um, in that group as well. There's been a few guests that have come. And I mean, stigma to some extent, like there's been a few guests that have come on and they just bring this kind of real intense energy. And, and whether that's like a physical kind of a thing or it's just their mind is so busy and so fast, but they kind of just come on the show and just take over. Uh, and me and you are both more than happy to sit back and and listen. And what I think is interesting is no other shows do that. I've been because I, you know, I do my own show as well, and I I don't have an agenda like a journalistic agenda, but I certainly have like an end game with every conversation that I have on my show, Life in the Stocks. I want to get a specific outcome and what i realize what makes the show different is there's zero agenda there's there's not even like a goal with this show we literally and people might say oh that you know they're they're saying that they do this but we really do we just hit record and we go there's there's no notes so i've got obviously people's questions written down today because i want to read them out for this q a but we don't write down anything we don't plan anything and i think that's for some people maybe the, the the shock um, and perhaps hopefully the pleasant surprise in it but yeah i think this person was like do you wish you if you went back you could have maybe interjected more or steered them more but I, i'm not about that i don't think you are either it's just whoever the guest is we just wind them up and let them go don't we yeah yeah and some people are a cyclone and i don't think you can you know we'll do the best we can to dip in and sort of push the conversation to sort of get to a point but when you got somebody who's got four points to make in five sentences, it's really hard to sort of like interrupt. And I think that's something we're, we're good at. I don't think that's a weakness. I think it's allowing people to be who they are. And if someone goes off, quote unquote, goes off the rails, the point they might eventually get to might be profound. And if we had sort of steered them out of that, they might not have gotten there. So I think it's really push and pull. And, I, you know, you're definitely really good at it. I'm still sort of learning how to navigate with people, but I think that's part of what we do. It's organic. There isn't, like you said, any agenda or, you know, an outline of notes that I'm staring at going, ah, shit, we got to get to this before the end of the podcast. Because even some of the stuff that I've sort of retained in my brain from researching somebody, if I don't ask that question at the end of that conversation, it's ends the way that it's supposed to end. And I think we're fairly good with that, you know? And I think that's, again, why I think some people do like this podcast, because it isn't somebody, the host, interrupting every five seconds to interject with a story about themselves or steering the conversation to sort of go, well, don't you think this? And I'm not about any of that shit. You know, if somebody's, like I said, a cyclone, let them be a cyclone. <laughs> that's what makes them beautiful and unique. Yeah, the only thing I wish could have maybe gone down differently with Mina and Steven particularly is because they made so many amazing points, but then they're just onto the next. Yeah. And yeah. like they make these profound statements and you go, whoa. And then, but they're already then halfway to making the next one. And I just wish we could have had more time to sit in some of the ideas which they raised. But then, like you say, we wouldn't have had, you know, all the other amazing points which they then went on to make so well as well like people like that you do just have to kind of sit back in awe of and just go like wow that's that's a high functioning human being right there 
Yeah, I think the word genius is knocked on a bunch, and Stephen actually talked about that word specifically because some people are. They're just connected to the energy, the godlike energy that is everywhere. And I can only imagine, you know, there are times when I get off on a rant or a rave with somebody and I realize, I'm like, am I socially being over the top or am I just getting to this end game of like, wow, this point I might make. And yeah, I think that's something we're just going to continue to navigate. It depends on the guest. Um, but you're right. It's There were certain points where I would have loved to sort of, can you explain more about what you just said instead of jumping to the next thing? <laughs> no, it's like a wild ride for sure. It is. That's exactly what it is. A while where you've got to buckle up and enjoy it, haven't you? So, uh, da, 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 run to the wills. A lot of people yeah. have like Instagram Clever. names, so I don't know their real names. Um, how has having to create dialogues with your guests like helped you on your own mental path? I'll throw that question to you first, Jesse Lee. Yeah, I had that one written down for me as well. I like that question. But how have I thought about how to answer it? No, but I would say it's definitely helped. Um, if nothing else, I think it's helped me come out of my own shell. I tend to be very sort of um, a recluse and, and sort of a hermit most of my life. And through engaging with people through the band or, you know, things that I sort of have to do when I'm on the road has helped. But this podcast being sort of a passion project and something that I really enjoy doing because it does give me a different sense of purpose that right there, maybe I'll just even say that it's given me a different sense of purpose and seeing people tell their stories and come to their own truths while we're listening to the conversation and engaging that person. I'm discovering things about my own life and my own truths. So it's this really beautiful mixture of being present to what they're saying and their story and then having these sort of aha moments as they're speaking. And that has definitely helped me grow as a human, become a better listener become more um, empathetic, for better or for worse, um, and to be more understanding with the fact that a lot of us have, again, we say this over and over again, I'll continue to say it, the commonalities that we all have and we all share are so much far greater than our differences. And if I've learned nothing else is the fact that we are all indefinitely connected. We are indefinitely. No, we are definitely connected. <laughs> um, and And that has really opened my eyes to sort of be um, be more open to people's opinions, even if I don't 100% agree with them or understand where they're coming from. When you open yourself to that, it helps you grow immensely as a human being. I think I've grown immensely as a human being um, in many ways, probably some ways I don't even know yet because of this podcast. Yeah, and and you, Matt. What, what say you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've obviously got the benefit of I've been doing this for you know five years ahead of this show, so this is my well, even longer than that, really, the best part of a decade. Um, and it's everything. Like, if you just want to look at basic details in my life, like I'm sober because of this podcast, I'm happy because of this podcast, I'm alive because of this podcast. Um, it makes me infinitely more curious getting to interview people for a living. It makes me just engaged with people and society and the world and theology, philosophy, everything, emotion, romance, um, heartache, pain, joy. It just makes me so much more engaged and appreciative and curious and excited. Uh, I can't imagine ever not doing what I do. And I think, 
if I ever stop, I would need some huge replacement drug. <laughs> you know, I would have to go and do like charity work in the third world, or I would need something that replaces the sense of, to echo what you just said, purpose that this gives you. You know, it really does from the conversations we have with the guests to the ones we just have me and you to the emails that we get, as we've just read out a couple there, that's the tip of the iceberg. Like, makes me feel less alone and i'm somebody who struggles a lot with that you know i've always felt like an outsider and a black sheep my whole life uh and doing this kind of thing allows me to feel like well at least there's loads of other black sheep out there mm. and it's immediate isn't it it's it's yeah. not like something you're you know when you're writing a book or you're writing a record or it, that long painful sort of process of digging and, and soul searching and wondering with the conversations we have here. Sometimes they are immediate moments of, of sort of uh, self-reflection and, and, you know, eureka moments that continue to like, I like the word curious, continue to make you curious about the human condition and the things that we have yet to learn from each other. And it also breaks down barriers of ignorance and prejudice and, you know, to me, I think we're just getting started with this shit and um, the impact that it's had so far on just our lives and the, the people who have tuned in, it's immense. It's immense. And I, I agree with you. I don't, uh, even without the music or all the things that I do, I don't think I could ever just stop cold and go live an existence as a hermit out somewhere. I, I wouldn't do it. I need people. I do. I hate to say it, but I do. I need people being such an empath and somebody who is inspired by other people and their stories. And, and this podcast has definitely inspired me to keep moving. Amen, brother. Uh, Hope Dealer. This is somebody I want to get on the show as a listener guest. That's a great well. handle. Great it is, isn't it? The Hope Dealer. I just read his email today. I'm going to forward it to you. We should get him on in the next week or so. It's an amazing story. Um, and he says to both of us, how did you finally let go of societal views and embrace your uniqueness to make a difference in the world? This is the kind of questions we live for. You got that one written down as well. That's the end of my list. Yeah, you already got everything that I had written down. Uh, yeah, why don't you take that first? Okay, big. So first of all, for me, as I sort of alluded to there, I've always felt like an outsider within society. And that dates back to being a kid growing up in a suburban white picket fence village with a mum with bipolar disorder. And she would you know, have regular episodes, regular breakdowns, and everybody in the area would know about it and would whisper about it. And we get talked about as that family, you know, the crazy mum. And then I acted out more and more as I kind of, you know, found the destructive tendencies that adolescence puts in front of us, you know, alcohol at a very young age, vandalism. Um, and I was angry. And I, you know, then stuff went down with my dad and my mum. And it was just, you know, it was a turbulent crazy time and i just felt judged i didn't feel like there was anybody there who looked out for me um and was like i get what well, there was one there was one teacher at my school who was the only one who bothered to try and understand <laughs> got a bit of a bunged up nose there bothered but <laughs> <laughs> sorry that sounded disgusting on the mic i apologize <laughs> She was the only person, Mrs. Pye, I've got to give a shout out to Mrs. Pye. She was the only person who bothered to take the time to try and understand my home situation and show me any kind of like sympathy and support. But other than that, I'll never forget this, right? On the, the last day of school, so it's like our prom night, 
and we're walking up the red carpet and it's like prom yay prom and the head teacher of the whole school is there and he sees me coming up this is my first interaction with this guy in five years and he says to me i'll never forget this he kind of shakes my hand and he gives me this look and he's like you should be really proud of the way you've turned your life around and i was like what do you mean turn my life around and I just saw in that moment, like he had just judged me as like the kid that's going to fall off the tracks, end up in jail. He'd written me off. But then because I did well in my GCSEs, and this was a thing, like no matter what was going on at home and no matter how hard I was partying or much mischief I was getting up to, I always worked hard and did well in school. And he just couldn't believe that someone like me from a home like mine could turn out okay and it was almost like he was giving me this condescending pat on the back for not ending up a criminal. And I, I remember just thinking, like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'll show you, motherfucker. Uh, this is a really long way of getting to this answer, but, like... No, I love it. For me, from as early as I can remember, society and bureaucracy and, you know, these institutions, be they the church or the school or the government... Or, and then when I started getting jobs, every boss I had was just a cunt, just a straight up cunt. Like I never had a boss that I liked. I was like, bosses are fucking assholes. And I just have gone my whole life hating authority and hating society and these expectations that are put on us and, you know, the judgment that comes from the so-called like hoi polloi and well-to-do of society that have no kindness in their hearts for people that are less fortunate than themselves and so i've always taken pride in being an outsider and like i did an interview recently with zach wilde uh, and he coined it in such a way that i couldn't do any better so i'll just steal his words but his message was like be your own willy wonka rather than trying to fit in and get the job and rise through, you know, the ranks and like tow the party line in whatever field you're in. Do your own thing. Make up your own fucking rules within the, you know, <laughs> boundaries of the law, I guess, if you want to stay out of jail. But follow your fucking dreams, follow your heart and just be your own Willy Wonka and do what you want to do. And if you're different and you feel different, then rather than like tripping on that, embrace that and relish in that and be like, yeah, fuck society. I'm different. I'm better than you because I'm different. And you hate me because you don't understand. Wise words from the man. I love that. And yeah, I, I can... <laughs> yeehaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wear a cowboy hat. Do your thing. You be you, boo. <laughs> you be the British cowboy. It does not fucking matter. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, it's an interesting situation for me because I grew up in a very religious household. So religion was sort of the the forefront of everything and the thing that i had to sort of rebel against pretty hard and i did it in 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 small amounts as i i grew but i think i don't really i didn't really sort of break out of it and sort of find my own self without it until my 30s you know when you are raised in a very strict home and and my parents are wonderful people they're incredible selfless amazing people and um i just think for me I had to see the world differently because I was drawn to the misfits and the outcasts in my life. And I didn't realize I was one of them till I started to sort of meet them. You know, when I was in school as a kid, we predominantly were in Christian schools up until I was like the age of 10. And then going to that first, what they call in the States, public schools with other people of all just from the neighborhood that's when I realized I was different, not only just because I was raised by religious fanatics, which was something I had to wrestle with 
quite a bit because I was picked on for that. But I also realized it was deeper than that. I, I didn't like authority. I didn't like being told what to do. I didn't like um, what everybody else liked. You know, um, I started to really hate pop music. I started to hate the stuff they were playing on the radio. I didn't understand it. I didn't want to be that perfect kid playing football, getting good grades and dating the, the cheerleader. Like none of that shit made any sense to me. And I don't think I saw things differently until I started meeting the same type of person. And they just happened to be in two places for me. Um, the theater class that I took when I was in um, junior high, uh, I started to rub elbows with people who they would call the theater kids. So before I got into punk rock, or while I was getting into punk rock and counterculture, I had met the theater kids. So these kids who would study and you know read lines and do all kinds of exercises, they call them forensics or whatever, just these weird freaks and geeks, you know? And I, I was like, I identify with these people and they were kind. Creatives, man. Yeah. And they weren't judgmental of, of me thinking a certain way or dressing a certain way or liking this band or so once that started to happen, that's kind of the spark that set me into like being more comfortable with freaks and counter counterculture than I could ever be in mainstream society. And I think the real gateway to that was punk rock, the music, when I started to embrace the lyrics and read the lyrics of these bands that I admired, like The Clash, and find that you can have a different point of view and a different stance and make something powerful out of it and lead the charge and have people sing along to that and sort of wear the t-shirts and make patches on your jacket and you become part of this tribe and that empowers you. And I don't think without that, I, I don't think I'd be where I am. I, I certainly wouldn't be alive as a depressed teen because I had friends that were fucked up like me or even worse off, you know, that had more reason to be fucked up. So I would all boil it all down to just not just punk rock, but people who were part of a counterculture creatives, the freaks and geeks, those are the people that allowed me to sort of find my own path. And I still owe my life to those types of people. I still engage with those types of people. Those people are my best friends like you. And I think it's my community. That's it. I think the community of creatives that have helped sustain me and counterculture, all the, you know, the people who were made fun of a lot because they were different. Those are my people. Yeah, and I think the interesting part of that question is the second part where it's like, how do you how do you use that uniqueness to then make a difference in the world? And I guess it's just about everybody that you meet who feels uncertain of themselves or their future or insecure in themselves. You just empower them and encourage them to own it and, you know, just be kind and, and show other people that you see commonalities with love and respect. And show people that you don't have commonalities and, and interests shared with. Show them love and respect too, and just try and like not be a dick. It's <laughs> it's kind of a very reductive throwaway term that, but I think you can look at the the meaning behind it and and go a little bit deeper and just like be as caring and thoughtful as you can be without being taken advantage of. Mm. Yeah, that's the fine line right there for sure. And I think that comes out in your, your art. If you're a creative person, you're going to write something, you're going to play something that does reflect who you are. And that's how you make a difference. You know, use what you know and what you love, your passions and your convictions on something and, and make something that you can share with other people. And I think that's what helps change the world, you know?
lift other people up as well, isn't it? That's what I'm. That's what I'm finding. I want to do a lot more now. I'm not feeling sorry for myself in my hungover state all the time. And what's really cool, not to go on like the um, the soapbox here, but the best thing since giving up drinking that I found for me is the excitement that I get from just day to day exchanges with strangers. Because I've always been outgoing and like you know an extrovert and a social kind of dude, but when I would drink, I would become that on steroids but then the next day i wouldn't want to do any interaction and i'd just be like oh god don't talk to me so i found i'd spend half my life not being myself and not fulfilling my potent pot- potential but but um and now i'll go to the shop and just like you know buy a sandwich and i'm getting in like a really cool conversation with the girl behind the counter or i'm seeing like an old guy crossing the street and i'm talking to him and i'm just like having these really cool and i think part of that is bristol the people here are just fucking cool like since moving here everybody's super friendly it's not like london you know london is just head down get on the tube get to work rat race don't engage don't look at anyone don't make any new friends (laughs) just why do you even live in london if you don't like it i don't know but everybody does and then you get somewhere like bristol and everywhere just like it seems a little bit calmer everyone seems a little bit calmer and happier and friendlier and um yeah i love it big up bristol yeah that's great man home of banksy yeah every every time i see a banksy i'll have to snap a picture and send it to you jesse so we're i think we're about an hour and a half now there's a couple more questions um let's get through a couple more we might have to drop a couple um this is something we've talked about a lot and i feel it's important to touch on this one as we go into january which is a really important month for you know setting guidelines for a healthier life as as you you know enter into a new year so christopher has said i heard you both talk about how being in nature helps depression um he wanted to know what do you do exactly do you meditate do you listen to the sounds um what works for both of you jesse i think will be able to give you a more um full answer to this but i'll just say i don't do any of that i don't actually listen out for anything or do any form of real meditation i just get my music on i get out there and i just find that literally the combination of the fresh air the music and just the sights of you know nice pretty leaves all these things combined just seem to have a really positive effect on me and i think that's it's just as simple as that for me but i do know with you it runs a little deeper doesn't it jesse and you get a little bit more well a lot more i'd say connected to to mother nature and, and when you're out in your real woodland walks you're um you're deep diving in a in a whole other way aren't you mm, yeah i do like what you described though i do that as well i think it all depends on the mood and i do escape to nature frequently since i do live in the midst of it up here but i've often found lately not having any headphones at all and sort of just allowing the sounds of the wind and the birds are soothing to me um, I would say first and foremost, movement, just getting and moving, getting your blood going is super important. The meditation, I don't always do, but when I do do it, it's it's profound. And you know, the word meditation, people picture a certain thing. It isn't what you think. You don't have to be in a robe and in, in lotus position and like you can you can meditate while walking. It's it's all about your brain and, and clearing your mind and trying to empty yourself of your concerns and your desires. Um, and I find nature just lends itself to that. It kind of just happens naturally. I'll know when I'm going to go into a meditative state. I'm not sitting there sort of planning, going, all right, today I'm going to go out and meditate. 
it just sort of happens. So I'll get out into nature with the full intention of just getting some exercise and helping my brain, and I'll fall into these states of meditation. And I think that's, to me, a better form, and it works for me better. Everybody's different. I can't sit there and go, this afternoon, I'm going to go meditate. Like That's not how it works for me. I'll just fall into these patterns of meditation. But yeah, I do like the the music too. Sometimes if you get a good soundtrack on, that'll be a mood lifter right there, just going for a walk with some some good tunes. But I would suggest if you haven't done it, take your headphones and take them out. And if you're in a place that doesn't have the sound of traffic or any of that, sitting in nature and basking in the sounds of the earth. And also another thing too, when it's warm enough, take your shoes off and put your feet on the ground. I've been finding that even through the cold months here getting your feet connected to the soil or the rocks and actually feeling what you're touching, that shit is a whole other level of like connecting to nature that I would highly recommend doing. Yeah, it's the one. And January is the best month of the year to do it because I do look at New Year's Day as a complete reset. It's like clean slate, total new chapter, and like everything is to play for. You can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. I just feel like anything can be achieved. If not, instantly you can lay the foundations and the groundwork for for these things later on and january of this year 2021 i know was just the most amazing month ever i i went out every single day i did 10 kilometers every single day i remember there was a lot of snow in one week and it was just like white you know narnia-esque woods i was listening to some awesome 60s albums like sergeant peppers and pet sounds and really psychedelic stuff just feeling the love and i was having a total detox of smoke and drink and caffeine and everything and meat and dairy and i just like i love doing that every year um i've got the two-month jump on it this year but now going in without the cigarettes and we'll be doing the juicing and the water fast and going vegan for the month and doing all of that just like healthy body healthy mind they've been saying it for years and i always just thought that's corny but it's so, it's so, so, it turns out it's true. Yeah. No, I agree. Diet, diet has a huge, huge role in my, in my mood and getting healthy with my diet the past few years has been massive. And it does, it falls in line with your spiritual mind as well. If you're not clogging your body up with uh, toxins and fats and sugars and all these things that we put in our body, you tend to operate on a higher level because things are moving quicker and smoother and your blood is flowing better. It's a lot to do that's massive healthy body healthy mind for sure so final question of the show jess this is an appropriate one to end on are you setting any intentions resolutions or goals for the new year jesse leach let's go to you first do you do this stuff do you have specifics are you thinking about anything specifically as we Hmm. go into 2022 where are you at I've never really been that person to sort of look at the new year as a chance to sort of start off on a fresh foot, but this year I definitely am. And, uh, you know, I don't even like to say them out loud because I always feel like, I always feel like, um, if I don't fulfill them, I feel like a fool, but I will just say in general, I'm trying and maybe that's, I'm stopping myself. (laughs) I, I am not trying. I'm going to, I'm going to, live a healthier life as far as my physical health is concerned. Um, and as far as my creative life is concerned, I think that's a big one for me. I want to, I need to, I'm going to be more creative, write more, get more engaged with um, songs that I do, um, work on stuff that has nothing to do with anyone but me. 
It's something that I've been putting off for many, many years, and I need to make time to make music and art for myself that's not connected to anybody else or has anyone else's opinion or production on it. So that's something I was talking about the other day with my lady, and I really want to do just forge my own path um, physically and creatively and sort of be the person that I want to be. You're an artist, man. One of the first things that really inspired me about you and drew me to you was your ability to, you know, see the world through the eyes of a poet and see the beauty and, and the pain and, and just see like, you know, drama in day-to-day -day life and, and beauty. Um, and that is your gift and you need to exercise and shine in, in you know, as much of a kind of myriad of different ways as you can, because that's who you are and that's what you do. So do it. Thank you. I'm on <laughs> your words. Yeah. It's a struggle. It's as I know I have this thing I need to do and it's the voice is my own. You know, I've always been connected to bands. I've always had other people prodding and pushing and helping me become a better artist, but I'm just at that point now where I, just, I have to have my own voice. I need to do something. So a solo record or solo singles or, just anything that's just me, I want to do more of that this year. So thank you for your kind words. How about you, brother? I mean, you've kind of already talked about it, but anything else you want to add on to like what you're looking for in this new year? All of it. You know me, dude. The madman's back. <laughs> the madman, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. There is no ceiling. It's all to play for as it is every year. And there'll be setbacks, there'll be hurdles, there'll be challenges, but I will smash through all of them and I will persevere and I will keep going and keep moving and keep loving life because I do love life and I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful to be here and I'm excited for this day and every day. So thank you to everybody who listens to this show. Thank you to you first and foremost, Jesse for, for being on this journey with me and um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. eh? The future is unwritten as old Joe Strummer would, would say, and what a great, Great artist that we've launched with, and he's at the top of our intro. If you don't know, uh, Joe Strummer is the voice that you hear at the intro of this podcast, and he's been a lifelong hero of mine. And I love that. Yeah, there are no rules. There are no boundaries. It's, it's all on you. And uh, let's make this year count. And I know we will, brother. And thank you to everybody who's tuned in, supported. I feel like we're just getting our, uh, our uh, start here. So we're off to a good start and to many, many more episodes and eureka moments and joy and pain and all the things that come with opening up people's stories and having open dialogue about the struggles and triumphs of life and on that note we'll see you Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.